welcome once again to Straight Talk, your intermittent podcast of political thought. Joining me today, I've got an interview with two young people I think you should be introduced to. The first one you'll hear from is Blake Ross. He's the president of the Young Democrats of Arkansas, and he works in the radio business and comes to us from Walnut Ridge. The second person you'll be hearing from is a young political science student at the University of Central Arkansas named Tara Ward. She's running for city council in Conway, Arkansas. These two young people represent the future of the Democratic Party in Arkansas, and it looks like the future is going to be bright. Now, as an editorial note, you will notice that I am not an audio engineer. I've recorded these interviews and edited them and put them together. And I recorded Blake and I recorded Tara separately. And for some reason, the, the sound levels got got mixed up in between. So the audio levels will be a little bit different as you go through the show. I've, I've worked for several hours here to try to minimize the jarring effect as much as I can. The The sound quality might not be so great, but the content, in my opinion, is spectacular, and I hope that's what you're here for. So without further ado, on with the show. So let's start off and welcome Blake Ross to the show. Blake, thank you for coming on here and joining me. Sure, I'm very happy to do this. This is a lot of fun. I've never... Um got to do anything like this before. So I appreciate you reaching out to me. This is cool. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Blake. Um, okay. I am 24. Like I mentioned, I turned 25 in July. Um, I live in Walnut Ridge in Lawrence County. I've lived here all but the first six months of my life where we lived in Jonesboro, my parents and I, um, I went to Walnut Ridge high school, go Bobcats. I graduated in 2012, one of 44 in my graduating class. Um, I then started a school at Black River Technical College in Pocahontas. I had every intention of getting an Associate of Arts from there, then transferring to Arkansas State in Jonesboro and getting a degree in broadcasting, um, emphasizing in voice with a minor in theater. Um, and the hope was at that point to be a voice actor was where I was hoping to go. Um, I had done some uh, some little radio commercials for local companies. I had uh, emceed some events for um, for some of the uh, local organizations and stuff like that, or done starting lineups for a football team, or done the play-by-play at a football game, done stuff like that. So it looked like radio is where I was going to go. Um, then my last semester at Black River, um, I got a job at um, the radio station I work at now in Pocahontas. And I've been there for four and a half years, about four and a half years now. Um, and while I was in my last semester, um, or I was about to start my last semester, my boss said, you know, are you going to get a degree in broadcasting? I said, well, I was thinking about it. And he said, well, don't, you know, it's all on computers now. So people care a little bit more in this business. People care actually more about experience than they do education. And so he said, you won't have to go $40,000 in debt to get a degree. And I will teach you how to talk so that when you go somewhere else in the future, you have, you have the experience. So, you know, without having to put myself into even further debt with my education, I was like, all right, cool, I'm game. So um, now I host the morning show on the flagship station Monday through Friday um, for my radio group. And um, I started getting involved in Young Dems around the same time I started working in uh, at the radio station. In fact, the first thing I asked off for from the radio station was my first Young Dem event that I ever went to. Um, which was the annual fall conference, which was at 
U of A in Fayetteville in 2013. And, um, uh, you know, I just... Uh, I really loved it. I thought it was so cool that there were so many other young people who thought like I did in Arkansas. Um, and then uh, within a year, I was in an elected position called a district director. So I ran all the chapters in the first congressional district and um, was in charge of expanding to create new chapters within the district. I did that for a year and a half for three consecutive terms. Um, and then I was appointed political director by my predecessor just before the uh, 2016 election. Um, and then I ran for president at our convention last year um, and uh, for a two-year term. And that's basically where I'm at now. So that, that's kind of the short version of it. I think the best part about the Young Dem job is um, anytime I'm in a room with young people, uh, with, some of my, with some of my chapters or some of my members, it is probably inarguably the most humbling moment of my life every time. Because you go into a room with people that are, you know, 16 or 17 years old in some instances, and um, they are so unbelievably intelligent on not just national politics. So they don't just know about the tax policy that, that was just passed or, um, or what's going on with the government shutdown or, you know, what member of the cabinet just resigned this week because of whatever scandal. Um, they know who Jason Rapert is. They know who... Uh, Charlie Collins is. They know about the governor's uh, tax plan that he's pushing through the state legislature. They know this stuff, and they're able to have a discussion about it and and to know what they're talking about in that discussion. And to have that out of 16 and 17-year-olds, people that can't even vote yet, and they're that knowledgeable about not just the federal politics, where it's so easy to get all that information because of the 24-hour news cycle, but to, to have that kind of knowledge at the state and local level, too, is just incredible. That's not anything close to like what I was like when I was 16. You know, when I was 16, I came home from school every day. First thing I did was check the stock market because I'm a nerd. And then I just watched CNN all afternoon. So, you know, I mean, that's what I did when I was 16. But to hear these, you know, these 16 year olds know by heart what's going on in the state is really incredible. And it's part of what makes the job so cool. Where, where do you think they're getting that information from? It's not like Arkansas schools teach civics. So right. Is that yeah, something that- I know. Is that something yeah. they're going out on in their own initiative and trying to find? Or? Yeah, I think so. You know, the, the beauty of a lot of this is, uh, you know, young people live on social media. Um, and one thing that's really good about Twitter is hashtags and the hashtag ARPX, which is the Arkansas politics hashtag. Right. And it's used on it's used on Facebook, too. So, you know, they'll just go and they'll just search for that hashtag in some time, in some instances, and they'll just see what's being posted. They'll see the members of the legislature posting something about this, um, or they'll go to Arkansas online and they'll read the blog posts, or they'll, you know, read something from Arkansas Times, or they'll read the online articles from the Dim Gazette. Um, so, you know, they're, they know how to get to the information now, which is what I think is part of why it's so different now than even when I was, you know, 16, eight or nine years ago, you know, when I was when I was that age, um, which is not a phrase I ever expected to be saying uh, this early in my life, when I was that age, back in my day, you know, um, Facebook wasn't even a thing back then. So, you know, you, you just couldn't do that. And so um, I think that that's part of the, the part of the difference now as well. Yeah, watch out. You'll be screaming, get off my lawn for too long. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so are you seeing more engagement this year than, say, in 2016? Yes. I mean, the, the short answer is yes. Um, and that's something that uh, when I joined in 2014, um, in 2013, 2014 was my first convention. Um, we had, 
I want to say we had 56 or 57 chapters, um, which was the largest we had ever been to my knowledge. Um, when I took over last year, we were down to 33 because people were just so demoralized um, after the 2016 election. Um, we have started an incredible amount of chapters this year, particularly in the fourth district in, in South Arkansas, which is an area where we have been weak for a while. And just because there aren't any large population centers down there, um, you know, the two big YD hubs for a long time have obviously been Little Rock and Fayetteville. Um, Jonesboro is becoming one now as well. We have a high school and a college chapter there now, which is great. So we're able to have, you know, folks go straight from JHS straight into A-State. Um, and we have a young professional chapter here as well. So we actually have three chapters in the Jonesboro area. So people are able to, from the time they're 14, all the way up till they age out at 36, if they stay in Northeast Arkansas, they're able to be a YD because they have access to all those chapters. Um, but yeah, I mean, like anytime I go anywhere and I talk about the expansion that we've had this year, um, I say that, you know, me and my team, we can't, we can't claim a lot of it. It's been a year where we haven't done a lot of work. We've just put forth some effort because people are reaching out. People are wanting to get involved. And so we're able to capitalize on a lot of that. So a lot of the growth we've experienced this year has just been sort of organic. Um, it's been really exciting to see nonetheless, because, you know, I, uh, at our fall conference this last November at Arkansas Tech and Russellville, um, it was the biggest one we've ever had. That event usually runs between 60 and 70 people because it rotates to different parts of the state. And so obviously sometimes, you know, some kids in Southeast Arkansas can't travel to Northwest or the other way around. Um, at Russellville, we had around 140 people. So we only went and doubled what we usually expect for an event like that. So, um, and I asked everyone there, I was like, if this is your first Young Dem event, raise your hand. And it was almost half the room. I mean, it was incredible how many new people were just ready to get involved. And I, I think that's something that's really special. And I, I'm hoping that um, we're able to keep that momentum going, not just to November, um, but on through next year and into 2020. So what are you most excited about this year? I, you know, I'm most excited um, about the fact that we have congressional candidates in all four districts. Um, you know, we, we didn't even have a candidate in three of the four districts last cycle, I believe. So um, to have now not only and, you know, I love the fact I live in the first district because I don't know what I would do if I lived in the second district. I mean, it's an incredible choice. They've got now four amazing candidates running for that nomination. So, you know, I've, all my friends that live in or in and around Little Rock, I'm like, you know, I'm glad I don't live in your shoes. You know, like, I mean, it's it's a really great field of candidates. Um, and so I, I'm really excited to see that, to see the engagement at the federal level. I'm also excited to see. There aren't just um, young people in Arkansas running for office, which there are now, which also obviously from my perspective makes me incredibly excited. Um, there are people running in races that statistically, you know, you might not think Democrats have a shot to win, but they're doing it because it's just never been done before. You know, like um, one of the YD's best friends, one of our very best friends, Denise Garner, running against Charlie Collins in Fayetteville. Um, someone who you had on, Maureen Skinner, running against Jason Rapert. You know, I mean, we love Maureen to death, and she's incredible, and we're we're so excited about that race. Um, so it's just seeing that the Democratic Party is ready to engage and run all over the state, but to also see that they're willing to do that in areas where you know maybe strategically, if you're just looking at the numbers, that might not be the best thing to do. But it just shows that the party's spoiling for a fight, and we're ready to to make sure that the voters know that they have a choice and that we're there to present an alternative. And that more than just about anything has me excited. What are you hearing are the top concerns among young Democrats that, that you've been talking to? 
Yeah, see, that's a great question because um, the answer sometimes isn't what people expect. Because honestly, the answers uh, the, the answer to that question is young people really care about the same things that everybody else does. Um, we care about the economy. We care about education, not just higher ed. Yes, we want to make sure that it's you know it's uh, it is a long term benefit to get. Um, a college education, but a little bit shorter term benefit too. You know, 50% of all college graduates, the first job they get out of college is something that has no relevance to their degree because they realize after they graduate, they've got six months before they have to start paying off that student loan debt. You know, the cost of college has increased exponentially over just the last 20 years to the point where it's gone up higher than the cost of healthcare and the rate of inflation combined. So, I mean, you know, we've got an incredible um, situation in which we're creating um, this sort of this uh, double standard um, where young people are told you have to go to college, but then you're also told you're not really going to have any way to pay for it. So while they do care about college affordability, they care about pre-K. They care about K through 12 education as well. They care obviously about criminal justice reform. Um, a lot of young people in, in, in the young dens here in Arkansas really care about um, the DACA issue. They care about our immigrant brothers and sisters um, they obviously care very deeply about rights of the LGBTQ community. Um, they care about Black Lives Matter. So they are very engaged on the social issues, as I think a lot of people expect out of younger people. But they also care about the economy. They want to have that conversation about Governor Hutchinson's tax plan. They want to have that conversation about Donald Trump's tax plan. They want to have that conversation about welfare reform. The biggest difference, I think, that a lot of people will find um, isn't necessarily what the issues that young people think are important. It's what they think the solutions to the issues are, I think, is where people will find the biggest contrast between the younger generation and older ones. Have you been hearing, hearing any excitement about, like, fight for 15 or a living wage in among your members? Mm. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I am of the same vein that most of my members are with regards to that. Yeah, I'm absolutely in favor of a living wage, um, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, that is actually in our platform, um, in the Young Democrats platform, is that we believe in a minimum wage that um, I can't remember if it is $12.50 or $15 that we wanted it set at, but that it would also be tied to inflation um, from here on out. And that was the um, that was where uh, what it was in our platform last year. We're obviously writing the platform for this year. We're currently in the process of doing that. Um, on the convention committee, but yeah, the, so, you know, the five for 15 economic, <clears throat> economic justice, economic opportunity, those kinds of conversations are things that young people have. I think they, they feel, they feel patronized and they feel condescended to a lot when, you know, people say things like working at McDonald's is, you know, a high schooler's job. It's a burger flipping, you know, you should only make minimum wage for that. Well, you know, I, I hate that argument. The main reason why I hate that argument is the idea that, you know, working at McDonald's is a high schooler's job. Well, that's a lie because I can get a Big Mac between the hours of 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, nine months out of the year. So clearly it's not a job for high schoolers. So and when corporations continue to post record quarterly earnings, people get a little angry when, you know, this tax cut policy goes through. Young people especially get angry when they see this tax cut policy go through. And they realize that, you know, companies are just going to buy back their own stock to inflate the price. You know, that's you've got record profits. Invest that in your own workers. You know, people will go to a company that they know cares about them. So paying a living wage, whether you're a multinational corporation or you're a mom and pop shop on Main Street here in Lawrence County, you know, if you can afford to do it, do it. 
I, I think that's the the labor movement um, is very strong within the young Dems here in the state. Yeah, to me, you know, wages is, is a cost of doing business, and if you can't mm-hmm. if you can't pay a living wage to an employee, then you you don't have any any business running a business. And, you know, I right. see I see a lot of forty year olds working behind the counter at McDonald's and Burger King and mm-hmm. every other low paying job. So it's not it's not just a young person's concern, although I imagine that a young person going into the job market right now has got to be thinking, you know, what is there out there for me that that pays decent? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine going to college for four years, racking up one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt, and the only job you can find pays twenty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, and that's part of why you see such a such a um, a big movement on the part of young people to to not just change one aspect of that, right? They're not just saying as a result of that pay a living wage. They're not just saying as a result of that lower the cost of college. They're saying both. They're saying, why can't we just do both? You know, and it's a valid point. It's a good argument to have. You know, young people are seeing these issues and um, you can only bet on their apathy so long before they get angry enough that it's going to make an adverse effect. And I think you're seeing that all over the country in young people running for office, young people registering to vote, participating in organizations like the Young Dems, regardless of what state they're in. You know, young people especially are angry by this Republican government, and they're going to make sure that this government knows it come November. JFK's famous quote from his inaugural that uh, the torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans what I think too many people understand is that this generation is not going to be one that's going to wait for the torch to get past. They're going to catch up and take it. Like you, you can only do so much to negatively affect us and our generation before we stand up and say, "All right, we've had enough." You know, you're going to have to sit down now and let us have a have a turn. And um, I think there are too many people that are betting on that day coming a lot later than it actually is. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that? Is top of mind to you? Anything that you want to say? I mean, I, I really appreciate you, first and foremost, uh, Scott, taking the time to invite me and, and to do this show in general. It's really refreshing to see a progressive voice in, in podcasting and in quote-unquote radio, if you will. It's very hard to find here in Arkansas. Um, and obviously, you know, part of the thing that in the in the YD president job, because it involves so much travel, I'm never in range for a radio station for very long. So podcasts are what I do. Oh, that's what I listen to when I'm on the road. That's my best friend when I'm on the road. You know, I listen to Pod Save America and Pod Save the World. And, you know, um, I listen to Trey Crowder and the Liberal Redneck, the Well-Read Podcast. I listen to, you know, so many just really good, really good progressive organizations and groups that are able to just be a really good information source. And, you know, that's that's <laughs> that's part of where young people get their information, too, are things like podcasts and NPR and um, and stuff like that. Also, a big issue that we didn't uh, really hit on that young people really care about. It's net neutrality. That's a big one for young people because, you know, if, if it's about to get to a point where Facebook's about to start, you know, charging or we're going to be uh, charged through our internet providers to be able to access Facebook or maybe a little bit more for Facebook and Twitter, you know, stuff like that, or your internet's going to get slowed down, you know, stuff like those, those kinds of situations. Those are going to be the things, those are going to be some of the issues that, Maybe if you're a young person and you're not so interested or you just don't care or you're a little bit more apathetic on that economic issue or maybe it's just a little too esoteric for you and you don't really know what's going on, 
there's going to be something that's going to hit you just right, and it's going to make you want to get involved. And, um, you know, uh, the young Dems here in Arkansas, we're, we're strong. We're getting stronger, too. Um, I think over the course of the last year, we've made a lot of improvements. Now, of course, you're going to get a biased opinion out of me on that. But um, I think we made a lot of really good strides over the course of this year. We're going to do everything we can to um, make sure that translates into some election wins for some of the amazing candidates, many of whom you've had on your show. We're going to um, try and translate that into some big wins for them in November um, and try and make sure that the blue wave hits all 75 counties here in the state. Well, Blake Ross, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and I think the future's in good hands if we've got people like you out there. So I want to thank you again for coming on here with me. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Blake Ross. Now joining me is Tara Ward. She's a young mother and political science student at the University of Central Arkansas in Conway. Tara Ward, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, no problem. You're running for city council in Conway, Arkansas, correct? Yes. Yes, I'm running for Ward 4 position 2, which is an at-large position. What made you decide to run? You see, that, I like that question because that's, that's probably the first question that I get asked every single time. And I guess the reason why is because I saw a need that was there. Um, there's a large age difference in politics, and I don't know if you've noticed that. Hopefully, the younger dynamics are going to start kind of bridging those gaps. But it just seems like all politicians look the same. and uh, And I wanted to run because I wanted to be a student, but I was, I wanted to also be involved in my community, and I also wanted to be involved with the schools around here because I have a child that's going to be a part of the school district uh, in August. She'll, go to, she'll start kindergarten. So um, just there's a lot of ways to bridge the community and city council together by running, and that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. I have a lot of great ideas. I think my platform is very progressive, um, but it's 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 pretty simple. It just pretty much focuses on beautification and getting the community to involve, getting getting them interactive back into the community from all angles. Politics for a while has has been an old white man's club, so it's it's good to see someone who doesn't look like that in in the running. Yes. That's that's one of the reasons why I'm running. Another reason why I'm running is because I just I saw a need. I saw a lot of things around here in Conway, just in my local community. Um, they they weren't being touched, and I kept thinking, man, someone should really do something about that, or we need to do something about this. And and, uh, and I realized, oh wait, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be the person that's going to run and do this. Well, you you saw a need, and you're ready to step up and fill it, aren't you? Yes, and I think that's what a lot of women are doing in politics, and they're seeing a need for change, and that's why they're running. Um, even though they, they have school or full-time jobs or their parents, I think that they see a need for change so much that they're willing to take this on to make things better. On the city council is city beautification. You yes. want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, beautification can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, but for me, it means um, safety and security. So really, my beautification isn't so much, I mean, it is, it's not so much, um, you know, the environment, but it's more like the people 
Um, we have a pretty bad problem with homelessness right now. I don't know if you've read about that or I know that it's been you know brought to the attention lately. Um, we just finally got approved for a homeless task force in, in the city of Conway. I'm really excited about that. And um, I have some people on there that are friends that, that actually have heard my platform of what I want to do. They, I want to work with them together, what they're already doing and, and what I you know, aspire to do, work together and, and tackle this. So we need, to, um, we need to work on finding places for homeless to go. They need, they need the head COHO, which has been founded here in Arkansas or in Conway, which is really good. And then they have, um, they have the, the ministry center, which does a lot of work. Uh, the, the, the women's shelter of central Arkansas does, does a lot of help too. Um, and they've put up to try and start building this thing called Hope Village, which is tiny homes for homeless. Uh, one of the things that I really want to do is I would like to get a community refrigerator there and work with uh, the, the ordinances of the city and, and work through the rules of being able to do that um, and work with already FDA-approved uh, locally-owned businesses to help contribute to that. And then we could actually cut down on um, food insecurity in Conway on a local level as well as food waste. Um, and, and local restaurants. So I think that that's tackling two things, too. And we could even talk about, you know, where to set it up at. I think setting it up where Hope Village will be located would be the, the most practical place because that's where it's going to be most needed and utilized. Um, I've also discussed this with Maureen. Maureen's also discussed possibly uh, hooking it up outside of her house because she's got a very, uh, it's right over there, you know, next to Tyler. So it's very evolved. And she has people come over, and she's very involved in the community as well. Um, the main reason we wanted to do this, or the main reason why I brought this up, is because I need a way to get the city and people involved into what usually has just been, like, churches doing this, you know, like the ministry center and stuff. Um, I think more people would help out with the community if, if it was just the community, and it wasn't a church attached to it. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You know, you need people that are both uh, religious and non-religious that have the same thing that they want to do. So I think that just having a community outside of a church organization to be able to use this uh, community refrigerator to set it up and have it out there, that's a great, I mean, that's a great start for beautification for me. It's feeding people. Um, another thing I want to work on, too, is um, beautification of the sidewalks. Our sidewalks really haven't been touched in like 10 years, and some of them are just completely disintegrated, like especially over here in the area where I live. I can't even take my daughter out to ride her bike because the sidewalks are so beat up. You know, there's holes in them. Um, they're gone in some places entirely, and they're they're ugly. <laughs> that's, that's not, it's not just about being practical. It's also aesthetically pleasing as well. Um, these kids, they commute back and forth from these sidewalks to the bus stop, to their house, or wherever they need to go. And it's dangerous. It is actually dangerous. Um, over there, especially by Tyler, where the library is here in Conway, um, there's not a sidewalk at all. And that's one of the heaviest traffic places in Conway, Arkansas. Also, over there on Hark Rider, I know you don't know where these streets are probably, but um, over there on Hark Rider, there's a lot of, that's main traffic in Conway, and there are a lot of people that walk over there in that area, and that's dangerous. I mean, there's a huge culvert there. So we need to 
think about redoing the streets. I mean, the sidewalks, sorry, not the streets. Streets are actually pretty well kept. It's the sidewalks that need our attention and focus. So that's how I'm, that's what I'm running on, is local problems that everyone can get behind, because city council is nonpartisan. So it's it's not like, uh, it's not like there's a party affiliation to it, but there is a certain amount of uh, conservative and, and, you know, political views that go into running we got to work together and put this money back into the community where it belongs in your uh speaking with people around conway what are you hearing or their concerns um a lot of people are getting behind the sidewalks um in fact there's a couple of communities here uh, and committees here um, there's walking conway and then there's a couple of other health ones that have been trying to work uh with the the other people of city council to try and get stuff passed where we could put money back in, start working on this. Uh, what they're hearing is, um, you know, the same, the same old, same old numbers, budget, city, you know, city, city budget, which is something that city council does is kind of determine the budget where, where the money goes, what, what we use it for. And a lot of times they're hearing the same things that, uh, that I feel. I see a lot of new parking spots. I see a lot of new shopping centers, but I don't see a lot going back into the actual community. Um, I'd like to see splash pads at every single park. And we've been approved for one, but I would like to see splash pads at every park. I think that we need them there. Um, I myself, as a mom, have taken my kid out to go to the park, and it's really hot. And it's, you know, kids get hot really fast running around and all they have is an old crusty water fountain to use to keep hydrated and keep keep cool. And that's just not enough. I think these splash pads would bring a lot more people to the park, too, which would bring communities together. And that's what a lot of people are saying. They're saying they feel like they're not being heard. They feel like, um, sadly, here here is one of the most popular things I'm told. They don't know what ward they live in, which is understandable. They don't know who their representative is, which is kind of sad, because whenever you're representing in city council and you're representing the community, you represent the voice of the constituents, and they don't know who their constituents are, because they're, they're up here and the community's down here, and we're dealing with these problems, and they're up there. You know what I mean? And that's not every city council member. There are some of them that have been great, and progressive, but they're also just like any other situation that's weak. There's weak links in the chain, um, and that was part of the need that I saw. We we need to strengthen these links so that we can get back with the community, get actually in there, and figure out what needs to be done on a very local level, on a very personal level. Me being a constituent and being somebody that's lived here, I see these problems firsthand. I'm down here in this all the time. And I think that's the way every city council member should represent. And some of them do. And I thank them for what they've done. And I'm very, very happy with the work that people before me have put in. But I think it's time to bring in some new blood. I think it's time to thank them and push them on out and uh, let us come in and start doing this. We're ready. I think that's how a lot of the youth is feeling right now, though, Scott. Like, they want... um, they want their chance. It's time, you know. They they're ready to to take over and do this ride. I mean, you've seen these children in light of the situation that happened in Florida. They are not stopping. They are not being quiet. They are not being silenced. 
They don't care what you call them. They are there every single day. They are protesting, demanding action. And I believe uh, that's happening on all levels right now in the I, United States. I, I agree. Believe. I agree. I think there's, there's a, a, an, an awakening occurring right now. Yeah. Yeah, kids are kids are waking up. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Just the words right out of my mouth. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That means we're on the same page. That's good. And these are all things that anybody can get behind. Um, you know, maybe you're not for gun legislation or whatever, but that's not the point. The point is, is the kids are getting up and they're speaking up and saying things. So whether you agree with them or not, you got to pat them on the back because that's just that's awesome. <laughs> What do you think are some things that you can accomplish on the city council to build community? We can immediately put in a community garden. We already have a couple of them, but there's a place in particular, downtown Conway, um, that's just like a, a lot in between two buildings. Um, we're going to turn that into a garden. That will happen. That will be one of the things that we can get the community involved in and do that with little to no money at all. Just a, just a day where we can get everyone to come out there and just, help clean that area up and just plant. And I think that'll be fun, honestly. I like doing stuff like that, though. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, but then there's some things. That's part of building community right there. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's putting it back down on that level where the community is connecting with each other and they're helping and they're building something that they're building something together. That's important. Um, but then there's things that'll take a while, like, for example, my idea for the public pool, I really think Conway needs a community pool. And if you kind of read the uh, the history of Conway and why we don't have one, it's kind of uh, embedded in some racist roots. won't even lie. It is. And that's why we haven't had a community pool for a really long time. Like a lot of places I know have community pools are not even as big as Conway and they have one. So I think we need one, and I think I have a, an idea of how we can do that without uh, breaking a budget. If that, if it comes down to numbers, if I have to come down to explaining about the numbers, you know, I can dig more into that later. But my main reason for wanting to have a community pool is we have a pool at the campuses, but it's not a community pool, and I think we need one. We have this old community, like old uh, pool area that was called Briarwood, and it's been shut down for a really, really long time. It was basically like a summer club where there was a pool there. And if you pay some odd amount of money a month, you became a part of that club. And then you could, you, you see where I'm going with this? Yes, So this got shut down. And uh, it's just been sitting there rusting and, and just, you know, nothing hasn't been touched for years. I'd like to buy Briarwood. I think we could buy Briarwood and redo it um, without breaking the bank for the city budget we could have a pool and that would be a very nice location some people have discussed you know their grievances about how they feel about the parking after doing that uh, there's a big parking lot right across the street from it and if we had sidewalks <laughs> and walkways right there then they would have no trouble walking across that area and that's one of the areas i want to put in sidewalks and and crosswalks so we need we need them there so that's a good idea um but the public pool idea you know that may not that may not come to fruitation immediately. That may be something that has to go down the line because we have to put this money towards these other things that we promised that we were going to do and voted and elected on. Can you tell me what criteria you would use to judge whether you were successful during your time on the city council? 
That's a great question. And honestly, it's going to come down to it won't even be like what I get accomplished on that. Um, out of all the people here in Conway and of all representing an at-large position, which is all of Conway, the way that I would know that I was a success is if my running, my term, impacted one person. I mean, it wouldn't even have to be a huge group of people. It's not a popularity contest. Uh, if I can just change one person or if I could just get one person that maybe wouldn't have ran to think that they would run, um, I'll know that I made a difference when I start seeing regularly uh, younger progressive people running each term and not just a one-time thing. Like, this is not supposed to be an anomaly. It's supposed to be, you know, the change. It's supposed to continue on after me. That's how I'll know I made a difference because if I do win city council, I will be the youngest woman ever voted on city council. That in itself is shattering, a like, you know, a glass ceiling in a way, per se. Um, I'll know that I made a difference whenever I start seeing that become the norm. Or you having fun. I'm having a blast. Um, I know that uh, we're actually Facebook friends, so I think you see a lot of my posts that I make. And most of the time my posts are, I really enjoy uh, getting out there and talking to people. I'm I'm a social butterfly. I thrive in social situations, and it's simply because I just love people. I love knowing about how they feel. I love talking about, you know, things that bug them, things that make them feel good. Um, you know, whenever we were talking before the interview even started, you know, finding out those little things like I was born in Jonesboro and you asked me if I was familiar with Arkansas and talked about Jonesboro. Um, those are little things. And you just you build off of that. I love building relationships, um, public ones and, and, and personal ones. So I'm having a great time. Campaigning is hard. And I did say that earlier. Um, it's exhausting because, you know, you try and find the energy, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I've met so many awesome new people and I've connected in ways um, that I'm just, I'm always going to be a part of this community, whether I win city council or not, I'm changed. I'm changed because of this experience and it's because of meeting these people. So Tara, how can people find out more about your campaign and how to help? Um, well, I have a campaign page actually. It's, um, it's on Facebook. So I've just been uh, either writing it down on a piece of paper or telling people about it or word of mouth, really. That's the, that's the biggest way to find out what my platforms are. Um, I've got something written down there on the campaign page about why I'm running. And um, it's an open, it's an open uh, page, so anybody can ask me anything, um, any questions they have, any concerns, um, whatever they want, pretty much. And I have my phone pretty much strapped to me, so I'll answer. Uh, I think it says that I have, like, an answering rate of, like, an, an, within an hour. So I answer pretty quickly. All right. Well, what's what's the, the name of the page? Oh, it's um, at T Ward 4, the number 4, Ward 4, the number 4 again. So T Ward 4, Ward 4. <laughs> I know, I, you know, it's just, I can't, I can't make this up. <laughs> oh, no, that's, I, I'm sure it, it looks fine when when you look at it. It just, aud- audibly, it sounded a little bizarre. <laughs> yeah, at T Ward 4, Ward 4. <laughs> I, th- it works. It's a mouthful. It, that, it does. It, it works, you know, and. It helps that easily pops up um, before you get to the second (laughs) (laughs) floor. Well, it'll it'll definitely be a link in my post. Well, Tara Ward, it has been a pleasure to speak with you tonight, and 
I wish you the best of luck in your endeavors and all your, all your future campaigns because I, I believe there will be more. Yes, there definitely will be more in the future. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's the show. Uh, I do sincerely apologize for the audio issues. Uh, it will get better. Uh, I've got a new system coming so that I won't have to keep moving my laptop back and forth. And that should help any audio quality issues from one show and one interview to the next. I would like to ask everybody who listens to this, please go back to the website and comment. Let me know how it's going. You know, send me a, something on, on Twitter. Uh, you can go to my Facebook page. Uh, do you think I should put a Straight Talk Arkansas page on Facebook? That's something that I've been thinking about. Uh, just let me know. You know, send me some comments. Give me some feedback. Coming up, I've got an interview with Jared Henderson. That's in the in the pipeline. That should be posted in a, in a week or two. Now, as, as the opening says, this is an intermittent podcast because I have a day job and I do this when I have time. It's something that I'm committed to. It's just intermittent when I can post something. So thanks again for having a listen. And remember that we've got a primary coming up on May the 22nd. Be sure to vote and bring a friend. Every time I hear the people cry, don't you know that the man is going to lie? I try to tell them that they have a choice. People out there don't use that voice. You can be who you want to be Not in an oppressed society